So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. And this is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. So you, if you're me, sort of naively expect that, oh, we're all doing that, right? And I know that growing up, I mean, we didn't have cable, so it was like four channels and then Fox came around. And it was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, The Simpsons, there's a fifth channel. But so it was a lot of Star Trek and my family really liked Star Trek. But I think they also liked it because being a mixed race couple it was like it is okay to be this in this world and like show this to your daughter and so then when you show up into an environment where you're like wait isn't this supposed to be about those things and then you're like wait but it's not about those things i'm being tested i'm being told things like oh well you're just doing this what's how do they phrase it like you're faking it because you want to be popular and i was like i don't think any geek girls have like found you know like if they found a following yeah but no one's faking their geekdom to be popular as far as i can tell yeah there's actually there's a lot of ridicule is coming back around again especially with um e-girls i don't know if you're familiar with the term Mm -hmm. i think it came out of tiktok but essentially like liking anime is cool and it makes you pretty and popular and I don't know why that narrative is coming back around. Cause I'm like that you weren't, you didn't have friends for liking those things. Yeah, <laughs> you were yes. by yourself. <laughs> yes. I think what's interesting about science fiction, especially when I'm engaging with other people who like science fiction, is that they're too afraid to challenge that narrative of what it means to mm-hmm. to be in a world that's science fiction. I started questioning worlds that only have white people in it like other races don't exist in the future that's ridiculous yeah <laughs> why is it that um a black person can't be a captain of a ship mm-hmm. why hasn't that come around um why aren't i seeing more lgbtq plus representation in science fiction why don't i see people of color why don't i see more women in space i feel like we should be at the point where we're seeing more of that but whenever i start questioning that with people who are just gonna say white and male they're just like oh no it's fine how it is you're just putting your politics on it i'm like it's not politics it's called humanity and what it looks like thank you (laughs) yeah um there was something that was so um irritating that i i say the most toxic fandom that i've interacted with personally when it comes to science fiction is doctor who Mm. oh tell me more so first question you get asked is like oh you only watched the new doctor who you haven't watched a classic doctor who plot twist I have so I wasted my time and watched all the old classic who just so people could stop asking me that um I hate that question because like that doesn't make me less of a Doctor Who fan doesn't yeah. make anybody less of a Doctor Who fan if they didn't watch the classic Doctor Who it's boring it's in black and white it's just like old white guys in space it's not interesting <laughs> old yeah old BBC programming the audio is not good yeah it's, like, not, it's, real. it's not fun yeah. it's just nostalgic stuff that people want to have an accolade for mm-hmm. and I don't know why Doctor Who fandom. So we recently got a female doctor. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were excited for that. I actually was not. How come? 
Well, so the doctor is supposed to be like really fluid. He's an alien, can has two hearts. Like, I don't know if you know too much about Doctor Who or not, but. I'm not like a total Whovian, but I'm, no, I mean, I'm familiar fair. enough. That's yeah. Fair. Fans can be a little overwhelming. Um, the idea is like he's, I just think the doctor is really fluid. Yeah. And I don't think that celebrating him finally becoming female is that big of a deal. Should yeah. have been like already apparent. Yeah. And then, if anything, I think the challenge would be, I would like to see the Doctor not be white. That would yeah. be something that challenges the whole narrative of what Doctor Who is. And we've had how many Doctors at this point? It's like 28 seasons. I think. Is that right? But how many Doctors? Doctor? 13? I think yeah, it's 13. a lot of Doctors. There were a lot of opportunities for people to not put in white men. Exactly. And none of them were taken. Exactly. So, Doctor Who fans... You have people who are upset with the female doctor, and those people are, we're just going to call it like the trash part of the fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there is trash in fandom. <laughs> um, and then you have people who are really happy about it, and then you have people like me who are like, well, I do think the doctor was fluid this entire time, so it's not really that big of a deal, and you shouldn't be clapping for them for finally doing it in like 2018. Like, yeah, they're decades late yeah they're very much late (laughs) and people don't like that i say that i'm just like i mean i can like a a fandom and like a show and still question it and challenge it yeah i don't think people realize that you can challenge the shows in stuff that you like and that's fine yeah oh the like the how do i phrase this the obsession with what is canon can be fascist and super limiting so, yeah, and they're like, well, it's never been. Li-. And I'm like, is this, do you even understand what you're watching? Right. And, you know, things can grow and change. Yeah. It's up to the writer, the person creating the show. They can change the direction that they want it to go in. And to limit the writer, then you write it. You direct it. Yeah. You put in all the work for it. It's not your project to limit. I'll just put it that way. Like, yeah. you're not anywhere within its financing or any aspect of it. So for you to limit it is just stupid. Yeah. Fans, there are points in time I'm like, I don't even want to wear my geeky shirts out because I don't want to have these conversations with people anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I was doing something where I just went to Starbucks. I had an anime shirt on. It was um, Death the Kid from Soul Eater. And the barista was like, oh, are you watching? I was like, oh, God. And I had like an immediate sigh. So yeah. I'm like, I don't actually want to interact about yeah, my fans. Yeah, I just want my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that those t-shirts are very, like, big conversation starters, mm-hmm. but also, if you're the type of person who starts a conversation and then you immediately show what type of fan you are in the toxic sense, that's exhausting. People are like, I like this show, but I don't want to engage with fans that are, one, limiting, mm-hmm. two, have some sort of outdated mentality that shows should only be white and male cast, if anything, that's, we're in 2019, I don't even know why we still have first of anything at this yeah. point. And there's just so many fandoms that have fans like this. And I'm wondering, is there even any fandom that I'm a part of that doesn't have this toxic culture to it? I feel like, no. For me, Doctor Who would be the worst part Mm -hmm. of toxic fandoms. But there are other things that I enjoy that people are just so nasty and horrible about. Yeah. And it's like, can you enjoy anything anymore? Or is that, like, not relevant in 2019? Is that not trending to enjoy things peacefully? That's a really good question. Because I feel like the toxic... And, and maybe it's... And then I'm like, well, is it because people have realized that fandoms are profitable? And so it's just, like, cracking open this Pandora's box that was always there. 
as they become more and more profitable? Or is it actually becoming worse because of our political climate? Or like, what is happening? And then I also wonder about behind the scenes, because behind the scenes of a lot of these cons, things are not right. They're not. So I did, I was talking with my best friend about some recent black representation in TV and other films. And obviously we were challenging like representation, the recent one being Black Mirror's Striking Viper episode, especially with um, black male intimacy. That Mm -hmm. was something that we were talking about. And when it comes to representation, there's so much negativity when it's actually there. So, do you watch anything Pokemon related at all? I am familiar. I'm not, like, well-versed. If you want to talk about feminist science fiction, like, I'm there. I've probably read it. (laughs) Um, Pokemon, a little bit, yeah. I mean, that's more, like, on the gaming side of things, but Nintendo's really good about representation, and I can applaud them for Mm -hmm. that. So, they had another character release. Uh, I think her name is Nessa. She's black. She's, like, the, the water type. And social media blew up about it. And I was really happy. I was like, yeah. yes, it's good to have representation. But then there are also people like, why is she black? We don't need politics and games. And it's not politics for just existing as you are. Oh, my gosh. We don't need to represent all of humanity in a very popular franchise that is marketed to all of humanity. Right. <laughs> I don't know why people are using politics as a dismissive point for representation in anything that is, like, fandom-related. Also, the personal is political. Like, period, end of story. Right. Like, you cannot take it out of your life. But I don't know. These fans, they they get so angry and so aggressive about representation or anything challenging what they think something should be. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you expect to grow if you're mm-hmm. so limiting? I want to see more representation. That would delight me to see more characters that look like me. That way I'm not getting limited for what's acceptable to cosplay, what's acceptable yeah. to draw, fan art. Um, the cosplay community, I'm not really a part of it, but I see so much toxicity in that yes. community. And I'm like, they're just celebrating what they enjoy. It's a hobby. We They get so much negative feedback and disregard because they're not the same race as the character. Which is just... How many characters have been whitewashed for adaptations? So many. I can't even list it out. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, that list is long. You can cosplay whatever you want. You can, in my, as far as I'm concerned, that's what it's about. It's It's supposed to be for fun. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's supposed to be for fun. And people who come at other people or, I mean, and this is a problem that I have with um, the way that a lot of conventions are run as well. Uh, I think that they don't take into account how problematic things can be. And they just kind of put up a sign that say that says cosplay is not consent. And they don't tell you like where HR is so that if something bad happens, you don't know where to go. So that that way they can say, oh, well, there were no complaints. And I'm like, yeah, well, there were no complaints because you didn't make clear that when bad things happen, go here. So you basically rigged the system so that then you could say there were no complaints. And I'm like, yeah, because you didn't have anyone to complain too. Exactly. I'm newer to the convention space, but you and I, as someone who's like, you know, just getting into going to conventions, yeah. there are so many issues. There is no safe space no. at conventions. Not at all. There is nowhere they can just exist and like, you know, like decompress. That's overwhelming. There's so many people. Katsukon was my first big con and 
that was exhausting because there was just too many people, too many bodies, and it was like I needed to shut down and yeah. be a little bean in a corner. <laughs> like I was completely overwhelmed in that space, and there was not a single resource that would have helped someone who was new to a convention space navigate that. And then imagine going to a con by yourself. Yeah. Are you safe doing that? I you should be. I mean, yeah, you should be, but I don't think people are. And I worry about people who do mm-hmm. attend cons by yeah. themselves. I don't even know how they do that. Because me, I'm lucky to have had at least one or two people with me. But if I went by myself, I probably would just shut down. Yeah, well, if you're ever looking for a con buddy. Like, <laughs> as much as I was just like, the toxic culture in, like, fandoms is out of control. But I still enjoy going. I think there's yeah. a lot of positivity. <laughs> I think you show up and you make the change as best as possible. And you call out the bullshit as you see it. But I think that there are some things that I've seen that have been good, like uh, quiet rooms, uh, making sure that like letting people know at the convention, like if something happens, this is the person that you talk to and we take this seriously. There is a zero tolerance policy. Yeah. So quiet rooms, identifying who you can go to. The last con that I went to, I was sexually harassed and I actually had to make a report. Um, And I was fortunate in the fact that it was a con that did have quiet rooms or like low sensory rooms, which are really important because it can be so overwhelming. And they also, in the opening session, they said, if something happens, we have a zero tolerance policy. This is the person. Here's her contact information. Anyone can talk to any of the volunteers that can take you to her. And she was magnificent because a lot of cons, this stuff happens and they're just like, well, we didn't have HR, so we didn't have any complaints. Good for us. Give us more big, big corporate sponsorship money. And I'm like, you're just sweeping this under the rug. It definitely happens. You just don't provide any safe recourse. And that's crazy because these people are investing not only time and money to attend this event. And that's what keeps your event going is people attending it. Yeah. If you're not protecting your attendees, then what are they supposed to do? This is what makes me so upset and just like across the board really upset is the reality is not only is it morally the right thing to do to represent all the people that exist in the world, but also, and and so, okay, but a lot of people aren't so concerned about the right thing. Some people are concerned about the bottom line, about the financials, but even then, I'm like, yeah. And when you represent people, they go out in droves and I mean, I'm just going to give two like really obvious examples. I could go deeper down the rabbit hole, but um, Captain Marvel, Black Panther. Everyone was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so much money. People <laughs> showed up and it like broke box off. And I was like, yeah, no, sh- sorry, but no shit. No shit. You have not shown people on the big screen or given them jobs behind the camera, in front of the camera, above the line, below the line, all of a sudden you do that and they're giving you their money. Like it's the right thing to do and it also makes you money. And when it's the right thing to do and it also makes you money and people still don't do it, you're like, oh, this is that bad. It is that tainted because they don't even care about, like forget about doing the right thing. The fact that it's going to make them oodles of money, they're still like, ooh, no, because then if we do that, we might lose our privilege. 